0: Great. Well, I've uh, called this message Ready, Steady, Go. And I want you to uh, be ready to go. We're following on from Paul's talk last week when he talks his dedication Sunday, just in case you missed it. And Paul talks about the naming of John the Baptist And the power of our name, what that means for us is the kind of essence of who we are, who God says we are. And uh, he had three points. So uh, if you were here, I'll just remind you of them. If not, you could listen uh, on the podcast. Uh, I thought it was a brilliant message. Uh, Paul talked about God naming us. And then we repeating that name. So we pick up who God says we are and we repeat it in our prayers and in our actions. And then the community resounds the name that we have. It was about the sound that our life makes or the impression our life leaves on the world around us. And he talked about the role of the community of the church uh, that we together have in pulling the essence out of who we are and helping us all together live out the song of our lives. So I want to start with this story. And uh, as I talk, I'm going to just take a bit further some of the, um, the thoughts that Paul had last week. So I read a story on Facebook uh, this week, uh, which uh, sometimes it's uh, good for some things. Uh, the story about a tribal community in Namibia in Southern Africa. And it was about them uh, dating the birth of their child. That in uh, the UK, um, our date of birth is fixed. So my date of birth was the 24th of June, 1979. I've just turned 40. And uh, that's my date of birth. But in Namibia, in this uh, particular tribe, uh, they don't date the the birth of the child at their arrival in the world, or even at the conception of the child, uh, but they date it much earlier, uh, since the day that the child was thought about by the mother. When a woman decides she's gonna have a child, she'd go and settle down and rest under a tree. And she listens until she can hear the song of who the child wants to be when it's born. After she's heard this child's song, she comes back to the man who will be the father of the child to teach him that song. And then when they conceive the child, they sing the song of the child to invite him into the world. When the mother's pregnant, she teaches the whole community, uh, older women, midwives of the village, the song of the child. So that when he's born, old women and people around him can sing the song of his life uh, to welcome him. As the child grows, other villagers learn his song. So if a child falls down or gets hurt, there's people who can pick him up and sing the song of his life to him. Similarly, if the child does something wonderful or successful, the people of the village sing his song to honour him. In the tribe, there's another opportunity where villagers sing for the child. If at any time during his life, the person commits a crime or an antisocial act, the individual is called to the centre of the village and the people of the community form a circle around him and they remind him of his song. The tribe recognises that the correction of antisocial behaviour doesn't pass through punishment. It's by love and a reminder of identity, that when you recognize your own song, you don't wanna do something that would uh, cause harm, but you can stand in the person that you were always created to be. So at the same way through the lives of this child, uh, as he grows up and in marriage, the two songs of the husband and wife are sung together. And then when he's getting old, this child as an old man is lying in his bed. He's ready to die and all the villagers know who he is and what his song is. They sing it for the last time around him. Isn't that powerful? I feel like that's an example or almost sums up what Paul was talking about with the resound of the name, that the community of faith uh, are names. My name, Joy, uh, the essence of who I am. Uh, you guys are here to... Uh, allow that sound to resound around me and to remind me what my sound is. So I want to take it a bit further today and do a bit of a Bible study uh, on what living your life well or letting your sound come out of your life really looks like and sounds like as we do it together in the community of the church. I really love words, so I'm going to be looking from a passage in Scripture and going word by word, line by line, uh, in a um, kind of extending or talking about explaining what those words actually mean and what that uh, has or implies for our life. So I really love you. If you've got a notebook uh, and a Bible, or you might have a Bible app and a, um, a notes app on your phone, um, I'd love you to get it out. I'd also just really encourage you to bring... Um, Uh, a paper Bible and a paper notebook if uh, you use them. Do you know, I've just, just as an aside, I've started leaving my phone to charge downstairs. And when I have my time with God in the morning, I use a notebook and a and a Bible and I don't get distracted by all the apps and the things and notifications that are coming up on my phone. So um, I think it's great discipline to bring a notebook and a Bible to church and you can focus on what God's saying uh, rather than like all the different apps that you can go on um, just for that kind of hour and a half as you come to worship Jesus on a Sunday. I'd love you to um, pull out. You can use a a notes app on your phone. I won't uh, judge you. And your Bible on your phone, that's a really good mechanism to connect with God. Uh, And we're going to pray, and I'd love you to join with me. Holy Spirit, I want the sound of my life to be the sweetest, strongest, purest sound that is possible for me to make. And I want my friends to have the same for them. I want to hear their song and sound too. And we want to invite you right now to speak to us about what that looks like for each of us as individuals and also for us as a family. We know you're here already, but we again just invite you to come into our hearts and make a sound in our heart today as we hear from you. We welcome you right now. Amen. Because the song that our life makes isn't a solo, it's a symphony or an anthem. It's not about us doing it on our own, it's a contribution to something that we all do together as a church community, but also the whole of creation is singing the anthem to its creator, uh, to our Father in heaven. And my sound directly relates to your sound and to the sound of creation. We're connected together. Numerous times in in his epistles, in his letters, uh, the apostle Paul describes his friends as my joy and my crown. He does it in Thessalonians and he does it in Philippians. He says, you are my joy and my crown. I can say today, you guys are my joy and my crown. And what he meant by that, uh, the word joy uh, is kara, and it means to extend favor, to lean towards with delight. And crown, the word is Stephanos, and it means a wreath of victory, like an Olympic athlete would wear on her head a medal or a reward. So what Paul is saying is, you are my medal or my reward. You, because of your victory, I get to have a medal around my neck that is your success. And so like Paul can say, Uh, In his letters, I want to say to you as my friends, uh, you, your life is my medal and my reward, and I've got you hanging round my neck uh, as uh, your friend, as your pastor, but as one another together, uh, I want you to remember that you've got each other hanging round your neck. The song of your life is my medal. The success of your life hangs round my neck. And because the kingdom of heaven is generational, and connected. We all inhabit the city of heaven together and how you run your race and get your prizes connected with me. We're all connected to one another and heaven will be full of incredible stories as we get to celebrate one another and what we have achieved, but more importantly, who we've become uh, on that final day. uh, We've got some amazing examples uh, in the Bible uh, of this connection and I want to pull us towards Hebrews and I want you to open your Bible at Hebrews chapter 11 because in this example the writer lists some inspiring people who shaped history and then he goes to talk about them as how they're connected with us. Let's just have a quick look. He says, And now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. And uh, this is what the ancients' ancestors were commended for. He talks about uh, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. By faith Enoch was taken from his life. By faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Isaac, by faith Joseph, by faith Jacob, by faith Moses, uh, he talks about all of the incredible uh, people who, even though they suffered brokenness and fear and destruction, uh, even though uh, some of them were killed, uh, it talks about the great faith that they stood with. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed when the others were disobedient. He talks about Gideon, Barak, Samson, about David and Samuel and the prophets. He says, these people, by faith, even though they went through great suffering, they also got great reward. They weren't perfect people. They were liars, cheats, prostitutes, adulterers, but they had faith in God. And as we move into the next passage or next chapter, Hebrews 12, I just want to read this out loud. Therefore, because of them. And since we're surrounded by these incredible, faithful people, as such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion of our faith who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him he endured the cross disregarding its shame and now he's seated in the place of honour besides God's throne think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people then you won't become weary and give up So I'm just going to go line by line down Hebrews 12 and explain to you what the words uh, mean in the Greek. Just for your information, I have no Greek education, but I found some really good websites that do the translation for you. You can have a look on blueletterbible.com if you're interested in that. Uh, I think it's a really good resource for us in our Bible study. So I'm going to go line by line. The first one, therefore, because we are surrounded by such a great crowd. This word surrounded in the Greek is peri And it means to lie all around or to enclose or to encircle or hamper or be bound with, to hang about. So the writer's saying, therefore, since we are completely surrounded, so we might think, oh, they're in heaven, but in the spiritual, we are surrounded by that great crowd. We're connected to them we're connected to one another here you know the dominant culture of our world would say you're independent you don't need to be connected to anyone else around you what you do and what you achieve is the most important thing but the biblical worldview would say we are not separated we can't separate ourselves from our neighbors and from humanity even from creation we are so connected and together uh, there's an importance of our unity we're cheering each other on we are encircled by a great crowd or a cloud or a throng or a multitude imagine thousands of millions of people who have run the race already pursuing Jesus we're surrounded by them and they're cheering us on they're not a crowd of greats but it's a great crowd cheering one another on towards the goal the goal is to keep living like Jesus To finish well. The goal is one another's transformation into the likeness of Jesus. The goal isn't to do great things, but it's to become a reflection, the truest reflection of who God made you to be as you reflect his son, Jesus. And the goal is to encircle others, to help them to do the same, and to let them help you so that we are carrying each other around our neck. And in order to get to that goal, preparation, the goal is key and I want to talk to you about what a preparation looks like so number one let's get ready and unload the verse said let us strip off every weight that slows us down and that word strip off off is apotithemy. it means to separate yourself from to create distance to put away to put off to cast off to take off Anything that weighs you down or burdens you, you need to get rid of it and move it as far away as possible from your life and to leave it there, to strip it off from you, to cast it away, to put distance in between you and the weight. And what is the weight? It's anything that hinders you, that burdens you, that stops you running the race that God has created you to run. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anything from Jesus isn't heavy to take. Anything that God created us for, it might uh, cause us to push into him, but a weight isn't something that we should be running our race with. A weight to one person isn't a weight to someone else. Like an oxygen tank, it's essential for a deep sea diver, but someone who's running the London Marathon with an oxy- oxygen, cha- oxygen tank on their back, it will weigh them down. It will stop them getting to their goal in the time that they need. It's unnecessary and heavy. A weight might be responsibility, offence, pain, striving, Unhelpful or unnecessary activity, time-wasting, unforgiveness, bad habits. I wonder if you could just invite the Holy Spirit, show me if I have any of those things. Let me tell you about one of my weights, a burden that I carried when my sister died. She'd only just got married to her husband, who was six months, er, he wasn't six months old, their marriage was six months old, they got married, uh, and then she died. And one of the things that I walked through when she died was the grief and pain of Ian's loss, her husband. Like thinking, oh, what would it have been like for me if I, if, or for Paul if one of us had died after six months? How tragic, so tragic. And I remember sitting quite, quite soon after she died on the floor at my mum and dad's house with Paul just sobbing and just saying, I just can't get over my heartbreak for Ian. It's just so heartbreaking. And I remember he just said to me, you know, Ian's grief isn't your grief to carry, like that's not yours and I heard what he said but I found it really hard to put it off and to move it as far away as possible and I realised two years after she died when he met another uh, really lovely, lovely woman and got married, I realised that I'd been carrying a burden that wasn't mine to carry because he'd processed some of his burden and I was still carrying some of mine. And if I could do my time again, I don't know how I'd do it because grief is really complex, isn't it? But I would have taken the burden uh, that I carried for my brother-in-law and I would have put it right over here with compassion and I would have looked after myself and said, I'm going to walk through my own grief because that's enough for me to bear as someone who's just lost a sister. I just mentioned as well that Uh, I have started charging my phone downstairs because I recognised that in the morning and late at night Instagram was a really bad habit for me and it was slowing me down. So it was filling my life with bad time-wasting habits when I should either be getting my kids breakfast and they're running around the house on their own or spending time with Jesus or even just chatting to my husband. And so a practice for me to get that weight as far away from myself as possible is to charge it in the kitchen and so I can uh, just get up and not be distracted by other things in the morning. I wonder if you've got some weights or some burdens that are just slowing you down. It's not sin, it's just stuff that's slowing you down. So number one, get ready. Uh, And number two, get set, untangle yourself. The Bible says in this passage, untangle ourselves from the sin that so easily trips us up, that entangles us. And this word sin, uh, the Greek word is hamartia. Hamartia, maybe. Uh, there is on the blue letter of that Bible, you can press a little microphone and it tells you how to say it, but I can't remember what he said. So hamartia. Uh, This uh, description or explanation of what this word is, a competitive onlooker who skillfully surrounds you, trips you up and thwarts your goal. What an amazing description of sin. Uh, Something that would tangle you up and uh, cause you to be so bound to uh, your brokenness that you can't run the uh, the race that you need to. But also uh, it trips you up, it stops you getting there. Uh, but it's competitive. It's an onlooker that says, I am not going to let her get to the thing that she needs to get to, and so I'm going to do everything I can to thwart her goal. You know, sin is not our friend. Sometimes we think it's our friend, but sin is never our friend. It tangles us up, it thwarts us, it competes with our goal. Endurance is our friend. I want to encourage you to take responsibility for your behavior that results from sin. You know, sin usually starts with poor beliefs, which start with a wound and they stop you running. And we have to make a decision as followers of Jesus, as believers in truth, to stop believing lies and stop partnering with uh, negative things in our life that would lead us to trip up and not get to our goal. Bill Johnson says, any thought that doesn't result in hope or joy is under the influence of a lie. I wonder if there's times in your life where you're uh, experiencing a belief that, doesn't, that isn't full of hope or isn't joyful. Uh, it's under the influence of a lie. That might be fear, intimidation, small thinking, forgetting who God has named us, listening to the other names that uh, people are saying over our life and speaking over us. That might be there's no consequence to my behavior. It might be that I'm not good enough. It might be that I have nothing to bring. It might be that I'm too broken to get uh, up. It might be looking for approval and validation from the wrong places. And usually lies start from a wound that just causes us to limp a little bit. And if we don't get the splinter out of the uh, the flesh, then they get infected and it causes us to do other things and then we're just tripping up before we know it. I've got a story of um, my little boy, Finley, who's uh, 10 years old, he had his sports day uh, this week. It's supposed to be last week, he uh, got canceled and uh, because of the rain and so he's getting really excited, getting really uh, full of anticipation for um, what he was going to achieve at his sports day. And then on uh, Wednesday night, he got a huge thorn in his heel. And uh, I was away with work uh, somewhere else. And so uh, Paul's left on his own, like juggling, like loads of different stuff that happened this week and kids and getting them to school on time and then a big thorn in uh, Finley's foot. And so on uh, Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, Finley's crying his eyes out, saying it really hurts, but not letting Paul go anywhere near the wound to try and get the thorn out. And Paul's saying, if we don't, if we don't do this, you won't be able to run at sports day. Uh, he's on the phone to me saying I just can't get it out and Finley's gone to school like limping I don't know what to do so I got back on Thursday tea time picked Finley up and brought him to the Revived prayer meeting here On the after I'd spent quite a bit of time with a little needle picking out the skin trying to get it out and he's going get off me, get off me, it really hurts and I thought I need to find someone he doesn't know well enough to shout at them so we can get this thorn out of his foot. So I uh, arrive at Revive and look round for any health professionals I know that might have, or a mum who uh, has gone before me and might be able to. It's always like I would have rung my mum, but I think Finlay would have smacked her in the face as well because of the familiarity. I found Mark Hutton, who is our resident pharmacist, and said to him, you don't know anything about getting thorns out of... uh, skinny, and he went, yeah who 's like fully on up for the challenge, whipped his trusty uh, tweezers out which i 'm not quite sure who else would carry uh, tweezers, and took me and Finley into uh, the prayer room where he spent forty five minutes with antiseptic wipes and uh, safety pin, digging it out and trying to go in with um, the tweezers. And uh, all the time, Finley's eyes are filling with water and kind of trying to be polite, going, wait, wait. (laughs) And I'm sat there thinking, I know he needs to get it out. He's got to get it out. And so I just need to let Mark do his thing. After 45 minutes, Mark's pulled all of the thorn out. It was huge. And Finley's skin starts to heal. And the next day, uh, he uh, is ready saying, I I can't feel it anymore. I can't feel the wound. I'm going to run the race. So he ran two races, the, um, the sprint, and I was there, but I can't remember what the other one was. Relay and something else, he did three. And uh, he got two gold medals, uh, and he text uh, Mark saying thank you. And do you know what, uh, my reflection, I was like, oh, what a great story for my preach on Sunday. Um, sorry you had to go through that, Finn, but um, it's really useful. I, I thought, you know, Finley gets the medal and it's great that he gets the medal. But the medal also belongs to Mark because of the uh, extra care and support that he put in for Finley getting that thorn out. And so I'm not saying that uh, the thorn in Finn's foot was uh, sin, but there are uh, aspects uh, of Um, wounds that lead to then sin. Does that make sense that we trip around ourselves because of the way uh, that a wound has affected our life or our head, our mind? Uh, And I want to remind you that sin's not your friend. It will trip you up. And to give you an opportunity today to just untangle yourself, to take it off, to ask the Holy Spirit to bring healing into your life. Okay, so number one, get ready. Number two, get set. Number three, go unswerving the passage says let us run with endurance the race God has set before us and this word run isn't just a jog or a little amble uh, around the countryside this word trecho means to incur extreme peril which requires the exertion of all of one's efforts to overcome so to absolutely stay completely focused no distraction uh, with endurance not swerving from the left or the right to keep going to keep going even when it's hard when i was in labor with poppy we had a home birth uh, with this little pool in the kitchen which might not be everyone's cup of tea but it was uh great experience as far as labor goes and uh, I was like I am so determined I need to get this baby out let me focus let me focus and two things happened two midwives who were at the birth were just having a nice catch-up because they would not seen each other for a while and I was like I'm trying to focus I'm getting this baby out although actually I was a little bit more polite than that to the midwives because I felt a bit awkward, but I really wanted to say that. But then my mum, it was Good Friday, my mum was there as well, like giving me some support in the kitchen and she kept making hot cross buns for the midwives and kept burning them. And I, to this day, cannot um, smell hot cross buns that are burnt without thinking of this experience. And I just absolutely lost it. Uh, I was trying to focus. I was trying to give birth to Poppy. I was trying to get all all my exertion in that place. And then my mum is burning the hot cross buns in the corner. I just went, stop burning the hot cross buns, (laughs) because I need the focus and that is what it means to run your race. Nothing to come and distract you but to give you absolute focus and all of your exertion into your life, into the race that God has called you to keep going when it's hard, to keep going when it's lonely, to keep going when it's painful, to keep going when it's boring, to keep going when it feels unfair. Keep going because we don't serve the God of personal comfort. We serve Jesus, the King, and we have died to ourselves to follow him, and the Bible says keep going with endurance. To run the race, and this word race is agon. It's a stadium battle, an Olympic contest to be watched by the world, and this has implications for the way that we run, the kind of life that we live. We need to live as if everything, everyone, is watching us, not just the highlights that we put on Instagram, but every bit. The bits that are in secret, they need to come into the light. Jesus says, let your light shine before all people so they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven we are in a stadium battle an olympic contest to be watched and it requires integrity and endurance and focus and determination because people are watching you know the uh, the great uh, crowd of witnesses are watching but the world is also watching and they're watching who we worship and they're watching does it change our life we need to run our race with endurance the race that is marked out for us. I wanna welcome uh, Matthew, my friend up, who's gonna help you with this. This is Matthew, he is also known as Jesus. Let's give him a big round of applause. You know, a race that was set before us by Jesus, the one who's the greatest example of humanity ever to walk the earth. He set before us a way of living that's not about what we do, but it's about who we are, how we do life, He followed the way of love, of compassion, of kindness, of sacrifice on his knees before the people that he came to serve, showing us what it looks like to mark a race out, to live a life well lived. He showed us what what sacrifice, what justice, what hope, what redemption looks like. He showed us what mercy looks like, what celebration looks like. He showed us what stillness and gentleness and faithfulness looks like. (coughs) And he predetermined us to become like him, to do the same, but not like a carpenter living in Nazareth, but like Paul and Nick and Kathy reflecting the image of Jesus. And this is Jude. She's been one of my closest friends for 16 years. She's loyal and creative. She's fiercely protective. She has deep integrity. She loves hard with emotion and depth. She's a wife who pursues deep intimacy, even in the juggle of team parenting for children. She juggles the responsibilities that come with family, with grace and with loads of humour. She carries a passion for social change and for justice and for equality, especially for children and families. She and Simon model the kind of family she wants to see in the world, and my family and me are grateful for the way that she and her family include us in that. She's prophetic, she pursues prayer and the presence of Jesus in a way that is inspiring and causes others to follow in her footsteps. She's one in eight billion people, and there's no one like Jude. And within the corporate race that me and Jude are running in this church community, there is just one race for Jude. But there's also one race for me, I can't run my race without Jude and she can't run her race without me and we can't run our race without you. Jude gently helps me take my burdens and weights with Jesus down. She reminds me of Jesus who untangles my sin and with kind reminders of who I am. In the communal changing room, that Paul talked about, the church that goes, uh, a space for us all to grow into who we were called and created to be. When we're in a changing room, we sometimes uh, get naked by accident in front of people and expose ourselves in the sin. And Jude, she kindly holds a towel up and shows me, it's okay, I'm gonna cover you because that's the kind of friend and follower of Jesus she is. And as she looks to Jesus, He untangles her from her sin so she can run a race. And as he untangles her, we're able together as we look to Jesus to help her take her baggage off and the burdens and the weights that are holding her down and to remind her who she is and to sing that song over her life, the song that heaven gave her. I want to remind you that uh, Jude's race is totally different to my race. And my race is so different to your race. But you have a unique race that only you can run. That you need to get untangled from your sin and to put the burden of your pain and your weights down so that you can run. To not compare your battles or to lift, wish your life away. To stay in your own lane. Because switching lanes... Causes us to miss out on the things that God has given to us. Instead, be thankful. No one else can run the race that you've been called to do. Let's just take these weights off Jude as she looks to Jesus and her friends and we put it as far away from her as it can go. And together, we hold each other's towels up and we say, we're in this together. You know, when it feels like your markings are a bit blurry, this is Jude's lane and she needs to stay in her lane. But when she feels like she's not sure what a lane is, we need to invite wise counsel, connect groups, friends, older people in church to speak into your life and to sing the song over you. I want to encourage you this week just to spend time thanking God for the lane that he's given you, for the markings he's marked out for you and then to thank God for the people around you so that you can celebrate them and cheer them on. So the question is, how do we run with endurance the race marked out for us when we're tempted to pick up the weights and retangle ourselves in the sin to swerve from the path? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the Bible says, the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This is Jesus. The humanity of God, he's been there and he's done it. Whatever your circumstances are, he has carried those burdens on the cross. The scripture says he's the author or pioneer and the Greek word is archagos. It means the architect of the city you now live in. He built the way. He marked it out, he went first, he experienced it for the joy set before him. It's the same word as the joy, uh, the marked out race that we have set before Jesus was a marked out race to endure the cross. He scorned it, he despised it, he counted the shame as nothing compared with the joy of the cross. And now we watch Jesus. We worship Jesus. It takes the spotlight off of us and onto his power and strength. And we say, look at him. He created the city that we now live in. We follow him with everything we could. When things are hard, we look to him and we worship him and we keep our eyes fixed on him. We don't multitask, we stay focused. And he also finished it. He finished the race and he completed it, and we trust his authority to help us. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He rested in the place of honour and authority and he became the partner in God's government. And so all the things that we pick back up and entangle ourselves with, the sin, the heavy weights they all have a counter-argument at the seat of the throne of God where Jesus is sat there. And faith is believing in that perspective. When you attempt to, to place other gods before him, there's an argument at the seat of the throne that he stands on. When we look to try and control our situations for our own gain or to manage our reputation through lies or manipulation or do things in secret, there is an argument at the throne of God where Jesus sits and he says, I finished it, I completed it, fix your eyes on me. Stop looking at those things and choose to look to Jesus. And so with Jesus, Our champion and our architect of the city we now live in, the one who untangles us and takes our weights from us, Jude can now run her race with endurance. Surrounded by the witnesses cheering her on, championing her, lifting her arms up, untangling her from the messes, reminding her of the one that she's following. And she runs... As she runs with endurance, she's transformed into the likeness of him, reflecting the one she was always created to look like. So come on, Jesus. As Jude looks to him, we say, ready, steady, go. Come on, Jude, and we're cheering you on and we're saying thank you for the way that you run and your endurance. Keep going, you're amazing. The gift God's put in you will change the world. We love you, Jude. As you look to Jesus, you show us how to run. You show us how to worship. You show us what prophecy looks like. Keep running, Jude, keep running, keep running. And because I'm connected to her, I carry her around my neck as my joy and my crown. Her success is my glory and my success is hers because we're connected. We sing each other's songs into the community of faith and a beautiful sound reverberates across the city to see the anthem of the people of God as we sing together with one voice but with numerous different sounds and harmonies as we celebrate the song from heaven and we declare it to the earth. We invite all those observers in this great battle, in this stadium to watch on and we invite them to come in and say, We'll help you take your burdens and your weights off of you and to put them as far as you can away from yourself. We're going to untangle you and we're going to show you Jesus, who is the great untangler and the fixer and the healers of our wounds. And we're going to cheer them on, those people we've never even met yet, but that they will be hanging around our neck as well as we run our race with endurance, with focus, with determination, free from the stuff that would slow us down. So I wanna ask you, are you ready? What do you need to unload? What's the burden that you're carrying that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about this morning? Are you steady? What do you need to untangle? Are you in your lane? Are you doing the things that he has called you to? Are you observing who he says you are? And how are you fixing your eyes on Jesus for your race? the author, the architect of the city you are now living in. And together as a church community, we carry each other round our necks and we're believing. And I want to encourage you, if you're not in a connect group, if you feel lonely in this place, that's not the way it was created to be. And I want you to uh, go and talk to someone at the back about getting into a community of people who can hold the towel up and cover you from your sin and take your burdens off you and help you look at Jesus who will untangle you from your sin. Maybe you want to think about doing Freedom in Christ, which will help with any wounds that you're carrying that are causing you sinful thoughts or behaviours. And as we do that, as we think and reflect on what God said as we invited his Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and to remind us of what he's saying, we're just going to pray a prayer. And it's a prayer that we pray every week at a live Church. It's a prayer that is like a gateway prayer and you could use it as a prayer to uh, recommit yourself to what God says and what God said today. And it's also a prayer that if you aren't a christian and you've never met the architect of this city we've described i would love you to consider it praying it today we're going to pray it out loud and once we've prayed it out loud if you have prayed it for the first time we'd just love you to put your hand up in the air because we want to celebrate with you and we want to walk with you to take off that excess weight that you don't need to carry let's pray thank you jesus Sorry, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I've lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. So with every um, head bowed and eyes closed, if you just feel a kind of stirring inside of you where you want to say yes to following Jesus and living this way, to being part of a community that will cheer you on and champion you, if you have never prayed that prayer before, but you want to, I'd love you to put your hand in the air just so we can see and we can come and start the journey with you. And if you prayed it for the first time, but you're not sure about putting your hand up, uh, we've got a team at the front who will be at the front after the service, and we would love to walk with you and to pray with you, celebrate with you. And if there's anything that uh, you feel the Holy Spirit stirred in your heart, any weight that he's pointed out, any sin that needs untangling, any way that you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus, then we also have a team of people who would love to pray with you. Or you can chat to the people around you or the people in your connect group uh, to begin the journey of getting ready, getting set and going. Amen. Let's thank Jesus and Jude as well.